For those of you who follow our podcast, you'll recognize that we've discussed several different types of capital in earlier episodes of Get Savvy. This time, we meet a guest who successfully turned to the customers when raising capital. There are many good examples of crowdfunded companies, but how do you do it? What are the success factors when setting up a campaign? And we also want to understand what it's like to drive a crowdfunded company. Some say it's like being a publicly listed company, even though you're not. If that's the case, then how does crowdfunding impact your strategy, your target setting and communication with the owners? What are the challenges and what opportunities arise when you let customers become owners? Copenhagen-based Luggage Hero, a leading luggage storage network, is bucking the trend by showing that investing in travel startups is not over during these uncertain times of the corona pandemic. Their crowdsourced campaign on the Cedars platform closed Friday, May 15th at over 408,000 euros, overfunded by 24%. Luggage Hero used this new funding to expand into 36 cities across North America and Europe. It also acquired the American competitor Knock Knock City last year and extended its reach. The purpose of this new funding round is to continue the geographic expansion and develop new related services. Our guest this week is the CEO of Luggage Hero, Yannick Lavatz, a Danish serial entrepreneur who made his first exit when he was only 14 years old. Yannick is a Copenhagen Business School graduate who's won multiple awards for his entrepreneurial achievements. He's a passionate business leader who can't seem to stay away from entrepreneurship, even if he tries. He's with us today to help you get savvy when it comes to crowdfunding. Yannick, we're so happy to have you on the show. So thanks a lot, Yannick, for joining us in the studio. Uh, and as uh, as we've uh, just talked about, we we know that you have a really impressive background within entrepreneurship. Uh, could you just tell us a little bit about that and what what made you go into entrepreneurship? Yeah, sure. And and thanks for for having me, Jon. Um, I I think I've always been uh, inspiring people who want to change uh, how things are uh, from from a steady state to to something more innovative, uh, and I, I think it already started when when I was a very very young kid, uh, just like kind of exploring the world I was in mm-hmm. and uh, trying to navigate it, um, and uh, yeah I I, I think. I think a lot of young kids have been entrepreneurs in in the sense of like sitting in a booth trying to sell lemonade or yeah. stuff like that, yeah. uh, and trying to like uh, navigate themselves through uh, what what actually uh, uh, leads to a sale. Um, I mean, uh, is it the price? Is this the smile? Is it where you're sitting? Uh, and uh, and all these stuff and and that just started me thinking about how could I optimize stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think that was my first learning experience with uh, with doing something entrepreneurship as as, as a very very young age. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but then so um, and then you went to business school, uh, and then coming out of that, I think then you was it was it your first venture? Um, I can't really say this in Danish, but uh, is it Tilakadem or something like that? 
Oh yeah, no, no, actually not. I, something happened in between business school and okay. and and my and my young kid experience, and that was uh, <laughs> I, I I started uh, doing some computer stuff when I was uh, when I was like twelve years old. Um, my my ah. mom and dad invested in a computer, an Olivetti Olivetti computer. Uh, so uh, and and that was my first like home PC. And uh, mm. I had it for the first year without internet connection, and then uh, as 13 years old, uh, I got an internet connection to my computer back then. And, that, <laughs> yeah. and, and now I really started exploring stuff, and, uh, and, and I found that you could, you could actually develop websites uh, on, on the internet. And, uh, mm. and and I started making like you know the usual fan sites and stuff like that. I had a, had a local soccer club that I really enjoyed, uh, and and um, and I made a fan site for that. And and I had like yeah. you know five visitors a day, um, so that wasn't really uh, impressive. Um, but um, <laughs> at some point, I um, I bought myself a mobile phone. Um, mm. I, um, I invested in a mobile phone and you could compone your own ringtones on that mobile mm. phone. And that started me like searching online for ringtones and I couldn't really find that many. So I decided to make my own website about it. And, uh, and, wow. and so, so I just put that website up in a, in, it took me like a few days to, uh, to, to, uh, to execute that website and, and, and put it live. And I, I went on holiday with my parents, I remember. And when coming back from that holiday, uh, I checked the website and it had like 2000 visitors in one week. Mm. And I was like, shit. Uh, that was yeah. <laughs> that was that was a little bit more than I had on my fan side, uh, so I was yeah, like, yeah. there must be something to it. So I just started yeah. like itinerating on it. I started selling mobile ringtones on the website and stuff like that. And and that was way before you could actually buy something online. Uh, you had to go down to your local bank and deposit money that I just uh, looked up online. I, I actually got an online bank then back then, and I could see online that people had deposited money in the bank, and then I shipped off the ringtones electronically to their mobile phones. Um, yeah. And that started my first venture, and that one led me to my first exit as an entrepreneur at 14 years old. Uh, a major wow. IT company came along and said, oh, that's a great idea. We, we want to invest and so, we want to we buy the we want to buy the website yeah wow is, is it even legal to sell a company at that age <laughs> it wasn't no uh so uh so i had my parents they had to sign yeah, the, yeah. the legal form and they they had a hard time believing the whole story when when i told them about it because i i attended this meeting in in copenhagen with these two business people and and i came yeah. home and i told my dad uh these people want to buy my website and he was like oh all right uh how much is yeah. it and I was like, yeah. uh, try and guess. And he was like, he couldn't guess it for the first 10 times. And he was no. like, he was overwhelmed by uh, how much <laughs> they were willing to buy this shit for. So yeah, it was impressive. Yeah. yeah. So that was my first venture before business school. <laughs> I think everybody wants to know how much you sold it for. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's actually not a secret. It's uh, was half a million Danish crowns. I've done a lot of crazy stuff and a lot of the 
didn't really work. Um, but uh, you know, you, you start in high school, and 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 I think I got a little bit distracted in in periods. Uh, but it kind of uh, it pulled me back when I started in what you said before, Telekiln, uh, where mm. um, where I started doing this business within like the same technology space, mobile phones, but it was more like a, a retail. Uh, shop that I uh, that, that I purchased and and and, and was the owner of, um, so so I had uh, I had a great experience again with sales and like just like understanding uh, behavior of people and why do they invest and why do they buy products and that learned mm. me a lot that learned me a lot. And do you, and do you think I mean I looking at the, the the stuff that you've done also I mean you've seemed to always kind of stayed into a digital type of field. Is that, is that you know, no it, it's actually not even true um, oh. <laughs> um, because uh, after I had this business telekiln and, uh, and so on I um, I decided that I needed to I needed a shift I needed to explore mm. something else uh, so first of all I, I, I went on a, like a solo trip to uh, I, I, I traveled for half a year I, I traveled to Asia I traveled to Australia and New Zealand all, all by myself. And uh, when I came home from that trip, I was like, I need to learn something new. And I, uh, I, 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 got a, I applied for physiotherapy in, uh, in, in Denmark. Um, and um, I actually ended up uh, being a physiotherapist. So I actually have that yeah. on my resume as well. And that's why, yeah. I, and, and, uh, but it, it didn't really turn out that I would continue as a physiotherapist, uh, but I, yeah. I, 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 I was actually research within physiotherapy for like half a year because, before I yeah. started my next venture, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and that, that's not digital. That's very true. <laughs> that's that's not that digital, but it's it's a no. good learning experience to do something entirely different. Um, and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm happy that I, I that I tried that out. Yeah. And so I had I was going to ask you. I mean, what would you have done if you wouldn't have gone like starting different <laughs> companies and been an entrepreneur? But I guess that, that that's the answer then, maybe. Or what do you think? Yeah, pretty much. I I, I think yeah. that I've I've always like curious. Um, I'm, I've always been really happy with sport. I've always been happy to like move and 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 mm. that that kind of led me in, on that track to become a physiotherapist. And and it's still something that uh, lives within me uh, in in everything I do in in relation to sports and so on. And and my girlfriend mm. is also a physiotherapist. Um, mm. So um, yeah. But I mean, I I think that you know making kind of. At least that's my view. I mean, making kind of bold decisions like that, going from what you had done into physiotherapy, that's a pretty bold move. Uh, do you think that, you know, and it takes, I guess it takes some courage and guts to do something like that. So uh, would you say that, that, that's, that you're, you're, you're a brave person or... I think other people would probably call me brave. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I don't really um, really think that much about it when I do stuff, but uh, a lot of people were surprised of the career shift that I did, like just yeah. went off traveling and then came home doing something entirely different, not related to, to my careers, which someone would say. And I was like, mm -hmm. but this is just my passion. I want to do this now. It, it makes sense for yeah. me. Um, and, and, and I went off and I finished it off and, uh, and I was really happy about it. And, and it's always been my like, uh, leading star to do something which, which makes you happy. 
um, and yeah. that's more important to me than than thinking about being brave or anything. But it, it's mm. it's just so easy to to choose whatever makes you happy. In this podcast, <clears throat> Get Savvy, we've interviewed quite a few entrepreneurs now. And I think that's, I mean, being brave, I think, is for me a common denominator for many of the people that we have talked to. So I think it's for, for something that we, you know, being brave is probably a pretty pretty good um, quality when you want to, you know, start a company and, and, and go for it yourself. Would you would you maybe agree to that or? I, I yeah I I would definitely agree to that. I mean uh, you you do have to calculate risk. You do have to take risk, and you have to uh, to accept that there will be damage. <laughs> um, mm. But but when accepting that will be damage, there will also be wins. Uh, and and True. if if you value the wins more than you than you value the failures and damage, uh, you are in a good position to to succeed. And I think that's the ingredient you need to to become a success as a as an entrepreneur. I'm really really interested in in hearing more about Luggage Hero. Uh, you know, how did you come up with that idea? Yeah, um, I, um, I actually didn't know that I came up with the idea when I kind of had the the pain and learning experience of of having to deal with my uh, with my luggage as uh, luggage here is kind of solving. Um, but um, but actually in 2014 I was traveling with uh, with my girlfriend to uh, to Barcelona, and uh, we uh, we decided that we wanted to stay local. We wanted to stay in this like really local neighborhood of Barcelona called Gracia, and uh, mm -hmm. to do that we 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 had to book a Airbnb, and um, and and we had a wonderful trip. Uh, but on the final day, or or the, actually the day before the uh, the departure day. Um, I was like, um, we need to, to kind of figure out what we're going to do with our luggage tomorrow because our, our plane isn't until the evening. And, um, and that was a good thing because we had a full day then, uh, one extra day in, in Barcelona. Uh, but yeah. when, when I texted my Airbnb host um, and asked that if we could just leave the stuff behind and come and collect it later, she was like, I'm sorry, someone else is coming in, cleaning is coming in, and you're not allowed to, to leave your stuff in, in, in outside the apartment in, or anything uh, in relation mm. to that. So, so <laughs> we were kicked out 9 a.m. in the morning uh, from, from this flat in, uh, in, in Barcelona, and, and, and the sun was shining, and I think it was already like 25 degrees or something, and we were standing yeah. there in the street like, shit, what are we going to do? And, um, yeah. and, and then I, I just looked up and I saw this like local shop on the other, on the other side of the street of the apartment. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go in there and ask if, if he could just like keep these for, for, for a day or a few hours or mm -hmm. something like that. And, yeah. and I went into yeah. that shop and, I, and, and to this date, I still don't know what that shop was trying to sell. <laughs> Uh, but uh, <laughs> but this but this uh, but this kid was was sitting behind a desk and just looking and and I tried in my best ability I, I don't speak Spanish in any way but and, and he he definitely didn't speak English uh, but in like really good hand signals and and like pointing at the luggage I was 
was explaining that him that this was a problem and he needed to yeah. help me out. So uh, he, he kind of understood <laughs> it and, and he put that luggage in, in the back room and, and we went off uh, and, and to the beach and like had some good tapas and uh, yeah, just good times. And, um, and I didn't really think that much about security. I didn't really think that much about yeah, worrying or anything. Uh, but mm. when, when we came back in the late afternoon, I was like, shit, I didn't even ask him what time he was closing. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but he was still there. Uh, he was still sitting yeah. in the same place and the luggage was still there. And, and, and I was happy and uh, I tipped him off and, uh, and, we, and we took off. And that was in 2014, and I forgot everything about that experience until I, in 2016, maybe in the end of 2015, actually, started renting out our place in Copenhagen. And um, mm. I just immediately picked up on that, that a lot of the guest was, was trying to find a solution to their luggage on the check-in yeah. uh, procedure, on the check-in date, uh, arrival date, and on the departure day. And I was like, mm. and, and, and then I just, it struck me that I had this experience as well in Barcelona and that was solved by, uh, by using a local shop. So, um, yeah. so I actually just, I, I just thought about that idea and uh, I thought about it for, 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 for a couple of weeks until I actually decided one really late evening uh, to pitch my girlfriend uh, um, and, and I said, I, I just have this really weird thought, uh, just hear me out. Um, and, and I pitched the idea in like 30 seconds and she looked at me and she said, that is probably the best idea I've heard from you ever. And I was like, shit, I really need yeah. to do something about it. Um, and at that time, I was, I was full-time as a physiotherapist within uh, research. And, uh, and my girlfriend, she wasn't done with her studies. And, and we had a one-year-old kid, um, uh, Julius, which is my oldest son at this point. I had two sons. And, um, and I was just like, I, I couldn't sleep for that entire night. And in the morning, I, I told Karina, uh, that's her name, my, my girlfriend. And uh, I said, um, I think I have to do this. I, I, I think to, I, have to, I have to go for this. And she was like, mm. do you know what this means? You would, you would stop working. You would stop having any income. And I was like, I just have to do this. Uh, give, give, mm. You just have to promise me, give me three months, three months. And uh, if I don't get enough traction in three months, I'm going to leave it behind. And um, yeah. and um, I I just um, I signed off work and I started running around to shops in Copenhagen pitching the idea, and uh, that was how it all started. Yeah. Wow, I mean, and that that step kind of leaving uh, an income with with a kid and everything. I mean, that must have been must have been pretty tough. Um, yeah, you know, um, I, I had a little bit of savings. Uh, I had spent a lot mm -hmm. on my uh, solo traveling and stuff, but I had a little bit of saving, uh, not much, but I just we, we just have to to, uh, to to do a lot of savings and uh, and, and, and cuts and everything in, in, in that time where there wasn't any income. And, um, yeah. and, and I had to look for an investor. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and my first investor was my dad. And uh, okay. <laughs> because my, my dad was just thinking about that experience when I was really young and he was like, yeah. I, I think you can really turn out some great stuff. So he was like, I'll, I'll invest 50,000 crowns. 
and and was like yeah. and i said okay you can get 10 percent." and he was like I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll take 15 he said and i was like yeah <laughs> what whatever i said whatever we we, we, yeah. we just need yeah. to do something now and he was like yeah, yeah let's do this and and i i must admit that ever since i've been a little bit better than than that to negotiate yeah. with investors but that was my first experience <laughs> with uh, with my dad as an yeah. investor so um i love that he, i love that he went for 15 i think that's a <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so um, I mean, it, you have to do some sacrifices, and that was one of them. And uh, and yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I just made myself a promise that we needed enough traction in three months to uh, to uh, to continue this, and and that was mm. kind of my knife to my stroke, you would say, that I would be able to pull this off and and not really waste time, and that no. was kind of leading me to uh, to what it is today. Uh, I invested the money from my dad in, in, in an agency developing what you would call a really, really raw, really, really raw MVP. And, 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 mm-hmm. and that stands for like a minimal viable product. I mean, uh, just workable and, and functional. And, um, and, and when that was done, I was like, okay, and then how, how I'm gonna acquire any customers? And the most intuitive thought was going on the street. Uh, finding people there, so uh, I decided to uh, to go to the most public uh, transportation place in 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 Denmark, which is called an airport. And on airport station, I was standing there uh, every morning for a whole week, uh, and just like grabbing people by the arm, asking them to mm. to use my service. And uh, yeah. it wasn't really that big a success in the beginning because people was was convinced that I was trying to steal their luggage. Um, but <laughs> but, uh, but uh, eventually, I, I found someone who was willing to try it out. Some like really young tech savvy uh, Norwegian girls who was like a little bit pessimistic in in the beginning, but they were convinced. Mm-hmm. And and I gave her the phone, my phone, with the app on on it, and and I said, try it out, book it yourself, and she was like looking at this phone for for like 10 15 seconds being all quiet not mm-hmm. doing anything and i was like yeah. what, what's going on and she just looked at me and said i think it's broken i think it's broken and <laughs> and that was actually a really good learning experience for me because the ui everything it didn't work people it wasn't intuitive uh-huh. to use uh, but I, I i made the booking for her i i i, I had the luggage inside at one of the local shops and i I got a really good photo of these girls um, and I pitched the local medias about the story that uh, Airbnb, uh, people staying in Airbnb was now using uh, Luggage Hero uh, to store Mm. luggage and Metro Express uh, happened to pick up the story and, and press it the next day. And that was really like a really good start for me. Uh, I had a mm. lot of publicity on that, and uh, and people started using it. Yeah. Thinking then uh, to where you are today, if you were to kind of pick out some success factors, what would they be? Um, you, the success factor in the beginning is taking one step at a time. Uh, the, mm. the the first step was obviously getting some product finished that that would work. Um, and the next step would obviously be to have some shops 
on board and and I, I, I acquired like 30 shops in, in Copenhagen and 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 the third step would obviously be to uh, to make a proof of concept uh, show mm. that someone would use the service and pay for the service um, and yeah. um, and once I had done that it was just like then it's about thinking about marketing it's about thinking about scaling it uh, doing hacks or, and, and stuff but now you kind of prove the model uh, I needed to prove that there was a potential for this and um, mm. I, I, and I needed to to go out in the field and find it myself thinking about the um about your your funding and and the model that you've chosen for that how did you decide to go for 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 crowdfunding yeah that's a really good question um i think it it kind of begins with the fact that when i started this company and i got some publicity there were investors uh reaching out to me saying oh we want to invest and i was like but i don't need it right now so i kind of pushed it mm. away and I, uh, I started up London before we actually accepted any investors. And that was the kind of investors you call business angels that I accepted. I accepted two brothers from, uh, from, from Jutland in, in Denmark uh, who had been uh, or still is successful entrepreneurs before and decided mm. to, to have them coming on board. So I think that, that really is, is kind of leading up to, to the crowdfunding because with that funding, we were able to execute uh, New York City as well and being successful there. And then mm. we kind of looked at each other saying, we need to, be, to, to make this even bigger. Uh, yeah. This needs to be uh, scaled out to many more cities. So we, we, we made a plan that we would, uh, we would uh, launch the concept in 36 cities. Uh, and uh, and this plan had you you had to uh, to have some more money uh, in hand. So uh, so we decided that we we needed a institutional investor like what you call a VC. And and but but we also acknowledged that we um, we we could actually we we could actually really benefit from something like crowdfunding. Um, because crowdfunding is is really really powerful when you think about it. Because one thing is you get a lot of publicity out of it, but the other thing yeah. is that you are inviting people in who have been following your your journey. Uh, that mm. customers, uh, even the local shops we have on the platform, partners, uh, even uh, family and friends actually. But you're inviting them yeah. in on a journey to become owners at a really early stage. Uh, usually you can't do this before you IPO, uh, where, where you go public. But, but, mm. but in, in, in this state, you can actually invite them in to get a stake of the success. And we, we, yeah. were, we were just like looking at each other and, and kind of exploring and doing some due diligence on all the platforms out there offering this crowdfunding. And, and we was like, why not? Uh, we, should mm. do, we should do this. Uh, we should make this yeah. a celebration. Um, so a along with the VC, we decided that we would uh, make this crowdfunding, um, hmm. and uh, and we decided to go with the the, the Europe, Europe biggest uh, crowdfunding platform, which is called Cedars, and uh, we we planned the the campaign along with them, and um, yeah, and yeah, it it went out well.
we have somebody asking about crowdfunding and how to succeed with crowdfunding. And I think it's fair to say that you guys have been uh, successful in this. I think you raised uh, a million and a half euros in the first campaign you did. Yeah. And then uh, you've done another 408,000 uh, euros. Is that? Um, yeah, that was kind of on a yeah. follow on round um, yeah. after that one. What would you say? I mean, for, for this listener, and they want to know what the magic trick is. How do you do it? How do you get <laughs> successful? I guess that's, that's the magic question. What's the but magic? I guess that, you know. Yeah, what's the magic? And I guess who's better to answer that than you? So what would you yeah, say sure. to that to that listener? Yeah, I'm happy to share some of that um, uh, and, and, and advice because uh, I think a lot of more companies should consider doing something like this that early. Um, um, one of the success criteria I think to be really successful in crowdfunding is to be able to explain your product in a very simple way and have mm-hmm. people relate to it by emotions. I mean, okay. it, it, it's kind of like sales again. Uh, it, it's about yeah. uh, you, you're selling a product, uh, but the product is 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 not anything if if you don't relate it to to emotions for people. And and I no. think one of the success criteria for for luggage here was that people could relate to the pain of having to deal with their luggage. And uh, they they could see themselves in these situations over and over again, and they could mm-hmm. could relate to the simplicity of the solution. Um, and um, so so you have in, on the one side of it the emotions. You 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 need to to turn emotions on in, in investors, and that's that's yeah. uh, that's the same thing with VCs or business angels. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the whole, that's the same thing. You need to turn on the emotions. And then the second mm-hmm. part is obviously, will this be a good investment for me? Will I have return on investment? Um, and, yeah. and, and if those two things uh, go hand in hand, uh, you, are, uh, you are on a path to, to success. Um, so, uh, yeah. And so, I, mean, I think that's fantastic. So two things, but I mean, then, so then but then the, the question is, so how do you turn on those emotions? It kind of falls back on what is your product? I, I, yeah. I, I definitely think there are products that are a better fit for crowdfunding than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. you, and you, and you kind of see that on, um, if, you, if you look on, on some of the platforms, which ones are successful and which ones are not. I think yeah. the, the, uh, the more really, really technical stuff uh, where you can't really relate to, to yourself as a consumer is probably the ones that have a harder time succeeding because mm. a lot of these can can obviously be a, a really good investment. Uh, but yeah. as I said, you need to wake up some emotions in people to at least be successful on a crowdfunding one. Um, so mm. if you only wake up emotions with a really, really small crowd, um, uh, it, it's just harder to, uh, to be successful on, on the crowdfunding. So yeah. I, I think it falls back on the product more than just mm. thinking about some special technique to wake up emotions in people because you need to wake up the emotions uh, for the pain. You need to, to have people thinking about their, mm-hmm. their holiday when they were like stranded with two kids and, uh, and four pieces of luggage and like uh, on the departure day just doing, wanted to do something else. Um, and and, and, and if, you, if your product is not solving that uh, and, and, and waking up that, those emotions, uh, the fit is not really there. 
Um, so I, no. think, I think we're in a really good position to, to have people relate, yeah. relate to that pain. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can totally see that that it has has a lot to do with that. So, I think that's a great that's a great uh, piece of advice. I mean, then then the second kind of area, and you know that that what you said there was you know to make sure that that you as a potential investor feel that this is an investment for me, basically. How do you how do you make that happen? I mean, yeah, I guess it's about the figures. Yeah, it's about the figures, but um, in, in, in some some people in, in, in pl- platforms like this are are really really obsessed with with calculating what the return on investment will will be and so on. But um, mm. I, I I feel like the majority of the investors in there are very visionary. Uh, so they're like they 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 see this as something that could turn as big as uh, as Uber or Airbnb and and if you look back like ten years, uh, would you have invested in Uber or Airbnb? Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You you didn't really have the chance. Uh, but no. it, but but people just want to feel that they're part of something. They want to p- feel part yeah. of, a, of a journey. And, 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 and you have the really hardcore investors who really are investing a lot. And then you have these, what you call micro investors on a CEDAS platform, which are investing their mm. own money. Uh, 100%, yeah. and you really, really need to respect that, and I respect it a lot. Um, and, but these are investors who are more visionary um, in, yeah. in some way. And, and, and that's a good thing when you're doing crowdfunding. There's something you need to consider as well. Uh, if you are an entrepreneur and, and you have a company which has some just a little bit of traction and you decide on going with crowdfunding. But you also need to take into consideration that um, where your company is based because of tax reasons. Um, so mm-hmm. when, when a UK investor invests on a crowdfunding platform uh, like on Cedars and the company is based out of UK, that UK investor will get a tax de- deduction on his year's income. Um, okay. it's, it's something called ICE, e, uh, EIS, uh, ICE uh, certified. certified. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a little bit technical, but it's, it's simply that this company is approved for getting tax des- deductions when you invest in it. And, okay. um, and it's a valid point when you look at some of the platforms and you look at a UK-based company being really successful on Cedars and you're thinking, wow, I could be as successful as that one. But you really mm. just need to check if this company is, uh, is certified EIS. And if it is, okay. the chance of this company being successful on a platform like, uh, like Cedars is, is higher. But uh, it's just mm-hmm. to say that you can go ahead with it without being it, uh, but just take yeah. that into consideration. We, we are not EIS certified, and we okay. were really successful anyhow. But it's just yeah. when you compare these companies being successful, just have an extra, uh, take an extra look at it and, and take that mm. into to your considerations. Yeah. Thinking back to what you talked about earlier, and we, we discussed, you know, your investors in the company and what role they play. So, apart from investing, you said that you you, you talked about a network and that you interact with them. 
But I mean, thinking about your expansion now, what other role do they play, these investors? I, I, I think that for once, uh, there's so many more investors than, than, than your business angels or your one VC where, where they're invited into the board. Uh, so you usually on a cap table have like three or four investors. Um, and, mm. and suddenly you have an extra investors called uh, the, the, the crowdfunding platform and, and that investor takes only up one slot on your cap table. It's not like you yeah. have hundreds of investors you have to reach out to every time <laughs> you need to have something approved or anything. But um, um, on, on the platform, on, on the seeders, you can actually invite them in to, to, for feedback on your product releases. Um, yeah. And something we've used as well in our iteration of, of our product and so on. So it means that when, when we launch something new feature or anything in our app, we're just like sending it out to, to our crowd as, as a first thing to get honest feedback. Uh, and yeah. we, we've we've done it with a lot of things, even videos, like videos that we uh, that we put out, like new branding material, or anything. We we upload it on 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 the on, on the on the crowdfunding platform uh, for our investors and ask them for their honest feedback. And and you get the good and you get the bad and uh, and you get the honest opinion. And and getting that mm. from more than seven hundred people is a little bit more yeah. than three people in your investor yeah, yeah, yeah. board. And yeah, they, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you, 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 and, and you get it from a lot of countries, so you get the cultural mm. uh, aspect of it as well. Um, so, yeah. so those things are, are, are really good for you. That's, that's, that sounds really interesting. And then would you say that, you know, I'm thinking about like you guys have a setup there with a combination of, of the VCs that you described and then, then this group. Uh, how does that combination work, do you think? I think uh, in, in, by first sight, uh, an investor hearing that a company are, are doing crowdfunding is like, oh shit, I'm gonna sit mm -hmm. in, in, uh, with 700 investors now? Are, are you insane? We can never really decide on anything. But when they understand no. the, the structure of it and how it really works, it just really adds so much uh, value to the table. Yeah. Um, and as I explained before, you can just ask for more, more honest feedback from uh, ambassadors of, of your company who, who have a stake in you. Uh, so yeah. it, it's not like you're buying opinions uh, out at an agency or anything from like 10 people or no. so. You're, you're, you're buying in, in opinions from people who, who believe in your mission, vision and understands it and, uh, and is willing to, to spend time on you uh, without ha you having to directly pay them for that. Um, mm. So yeah. talked to a lot of entrepreneurs that have been reaching out to me saying, oh, we want to do crowdfunding. And I was like, and, yeah. and, and, and I hear them out every time because I really want to help. And, and, and I want to say this now uh, as well. Uh, people can always yeah. find me on LinkedIn and, and, and ask for advice. I'm, I'm more than help. Uh, I'm more than uh, willing to help. Um, but wow. I've, so cool. I've, se I've seen a lot of, of campaigns uh, in, uh, in the last year and I've seen the ones uh, succeeding. And the ones mm -hmm. that are not succeeding, 
are usually not taking this serious enough because they yes. they, they kind of just see the success of it. And when they see a company like ours uh, getting fully funded on the crowdfunding platform in 24 hours, they don't really acknowledge how much work has been put into that campaign like months before it. And and, yeah. and 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 so it's all about the planning up to the actual event where you put the campaign live and and and, yeah. and the people the crowd are coming in and they decide to like it's it's a long process because they have to to sign themselves up they have to provide uh, identification they have to provide some tax information and so on so this it's a long process to have people actually signing up it's not that it's not just that mm -hmm. easy and it shouldn't be because uh it's they are investing money so they should be uh considering this wise but um so it's a long process and and you need to like really plan this in in phases uh and up to and and, and think about it as a marketing campaign and if you yeah. don't take that serious and just think that it's about a video i put it up and i make a newsletter and i i i, I come back the day after and everyone has invested it's like that's not gonna mm. happen uh <laughs> you it's, no. it's really tough work when you're doing it and yeah. from and from the weeks before and up to the campaign and weeks after uh it's it's kind of your full-time job as a ceo to mm. to answer questions uh do some meetings because some of the investors are asking for meetings and so on and uh so mm. you're like you're constantly constantly on online uh, answering questions yeah. uh, so that's that's the tough work and if you if you're not really uh, interesting in that part or, or aware of that you I, I don't think you can be as successful on, on crowdfunding do you get any help from the platform or you, in your case leaders if so, been, or how do you learn learn these things um, yeah, they uh, so like Cedars uh, has a kind of manual uh, for mm -hmm. how to be success uh, successful on on the crowdfunding platform, and they also they also bring you some tools and 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 marketing tricks that you can actually buy yourself into. So you can like you can yeah. buy ads on on different medias, and you can you can even buy ads in in the tube in in for instance like London uh, because they mm -hmm. they have a really really good deal with the uh, with the London uh, tube uh, subway there and cool. um, and yeah, so yeah. you can buy ads down there and, and get publicity about your own and awareness of your company as well uh, and so mm. they have these different instruments but we didn't really make use of any of them uh, actually but but you can do that if you want yeah. um, but uh, they, they also I, I mean the, the biggest help from Cedars I think is their uh, big uh, community of investors. They have about mm. half a million investors. And if they see a good deal, they also jump on it. So I think yeah. a, a lot of our investors in the first crowdfunding was some of our customers in, and in the second one as well, uh, a good portion of our previous customers, but some of them are also the, from the CDS community. Uh, so that's probably mm. the biggest help you can get. Was there something that you wish you would have known uh, and, um, before, before you went into this? Yeah, I mean, the first time I, I looked into uh, to crowdfunding, I was really overwhelmed by uh, all the successful companies in there, uh, making it a success in such a short amount of time. And I think one of the best advices for people and to understand how to be successful on, on a crowdfunding platform is that you actually need some investors um, um, coming on board before the campaign goes live. 
And that was kind of a surprise and intel to me, for me, uh, before launching it, that you need to do some work on getting someone on board before you turn on the campaign live. Um, Why? Because it's uh, it's a sign of uh, validating uh, the investment Mm. opportunity and it's a sign of momentum, it's a sign of urgency. And if you don't have anyone investing, and your campaign starts from zero, who wants to be mm. first? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. you will send a signal about your campaign is dry or no one is investing and maybe only a few ones are investing, but it's like, oh, I think I can come back later today or I think I can come back tomorrow mm. or something like that. And that that's that's how you, you, your deal would just go flat. You want yeah. to create yeah. the urgency from day one. You want people to take decision and action now and not tomorrow. Mm. Uh, so the, yeah. creating that urgency, you need some momentum. And that momentum is from uh, investors that you find before the campaign and they yeah. accepting to come on board. Yeah. What, what do you think that the, like the development of, of crowdfunding in this way of, 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 of funding would... would um is, is going I, I think that uh, it's it's been a little bit of a slow start from for some yeah. crowdfunding com- companies and but it's it's becoming more and normal to to either look in like crowdfunding like Kickstarters uh, yeah. but crowdfunding is also a great way for startups to uh, as a growth hack uh, to get ambassadors yeah. on, 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 on your side, uh, but yeah. also to just like celebrate your customers, celebrate your first customers who has uh, mm. invested in your idea, who have tried your product while, while it was shit or not working, something like that, but they still believe in the vision. Um, and yeah. inviting them in so early um, is just kind of celebration. Um, and yeah, uh, cool. I know that Airbnb, there were rumors uh, a, a few years back that Airbnb was trying to issue shares to their homeowners, uh, so to the, the to all the hostess, because that was yeah. a, a strong motivation to feel attached more to the mission with Airbnb. But Airbnb mm-hmm. was just, I, I mean, too late at that point to be able to do that uh, because they had so many investors on board and like the whole financial uh, side of it the, um, is too hard to navigate when you're that big a company. Um, so yeah. being able to do that that early will just help you um, and yeah. has helped us. Um, and uh, I think a lot of companies would have wished they would be able to have u- make use of that uh, many years ago, mm. but now it's actually possible. And what's in the? I mean, what's in the future for you guys at Luggage Hero right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we we just need to uh, to get totally over this pandemic, COVID nineteen. Mm. Uh, I, I would say it's it's definitely been uh, kind of a knockout in in travel uh, since March, but we've seen uh, we've seen traction picking up now again, and that's uh, that's that's a that's really. Uh, that's good news. Um, so I mean, well, we've been spending this time on on developing our product, uh, developing a lot of new features, and 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 done some great stuff. And uh, we just kind of start uh, rolling that out in this uh, third quarter. 
and uh, mm -hmm. hopefully seeing that some of the travel will pick up more. And, um, and one of the most important things that we're looking at at this point is, uh, is optimizing our cities. Uh, I know that there are a lot of uh, shops out there who have been struggling during these times. And uh, one of the ways that we can help is, is generating this uh, extra income for the shops to be on board Logitio. Yeah. Uh, so that's a yeah. great opportunity for us to capture as soon as the cities open up from lockdown and the shops mm -hmm. are open again. So that's on our um, that's on our focus for for the next couple of months to to get as many on uh, on board as possible. Yeah. Cool. I'm 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 curious um, about one thing, and that is, have you have you had any I mean thoughts about going public at some point with the company? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, when you do crowdfunding, it feels a little bit like going public, but it's not really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no. it, it does. <laughs> You're issuing out shares to to some people you don't even know, um, and no. and that's the same thing as you are doing as uh, as public company, but. In, uh, in comparison, doing uh, public, there are uh, way more regulations that you need to, uh, to navigate yeah. in. And, and I don't think at early stage that, that startups are um, benefiting so much from going public because it's such a strict structure and, and, and there are things mm. you just simply can't do or talk about uh, because you're no. a publicly uh, traded company. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, which sometimes makes it hard to uh, to, uh, to to grow, and um, so. But 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 asking uh, answering your question about uh, if I ever thought about doing it, then then yes, of course. Uh, but probably not within the next year or so. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I think this has been extremely helpful uh, to a lot of uh, us uh, listening to you. So thanks so much for joining us. I have one more question before we kind of end this uh, episode. And that is a question that we always ask. And that is, if you were to recommend somebody else that we could interview, uh, who would that be? Wow. Oh, that's a good question. I, I mean, yeah. uh, one of my, I, I, I'm really inspired one uh, about one Danish entrepreneur who is now actually in politics, which is uh, Tommy Ellis. Uh, but okay. um, I'm not sure if he has time. But uh, if, no, no. If, if you were to ask anyone about entrepreneurship and politics, uh, it would be a Tommy Ellis. Uh, I've, I've had the pleasure of uh, meeting him a few times. And, and even uh, at some point, I, 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 I talked to him about investment opportunities in, in Logitio, uh, which uh, I can't really go into further details about. But uh, um, I, I truly ins uh, is in inspired by his way of, uh, of uh, kind of just navigating through both entrepreneurship and politics and and just being the person he is um, so I, I'm, I'm I would say Tommy Adams. thank you so much that's a great tip I'm gonna do my best to reach out to him you should <laughs> and let's see what happens say hello for me I will I will I will so hey uh, thank you once again for joining Get Savvy and thank you for helping us help other entrepreneurs to get more savvy when it comes to entrepreneurship uh, and uh, we love having you so best of luck from us thank you very much Mark.